Section 27 of Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. The World's Story, Volume 11. Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. Edited by Ava March Tappan. Section 27. How a Settler Built His Log Barn. Early Part of the Nineteenth Century. By Samuel Thompson. For such an undertaking, much previous labor and foresight are required. In our case, fortunately, there was a small cedar swamp within a hundred paces of the site we had chosen for our barn, which was picturesquely separated from the house by a ravine some thirty feet deep, with a clear spring of the sweetest and coldest water flowing between steep banks. The barn was to consist of two large bays, each thirty feet square and eight logs high, with a threshing floor twelve feet wide between, the whole combined into one by an upper story or loft, twenty by seventy-two feet, and four logs high, including the roof plates. It will be seen, then, that to build such a barn would require sixty-four logs of thirty feet each for the lower story, and sixteen more of the same length, as well as eight of seventy-two feet each for the loft. Our handy swamp provided all these, not from standing trees only, but from many fallen patriarchs buried four or five feet under the surface in black muck, and perfectly sound. To get them out of the mud required both skill and patience. All the branches having been cleared off as thoroughly as possible, the entire tree was drawn out by those most patient of all patient drudges, the oxen, and when on solid ground, sawn to the required length. A number of skids were also provided, and plenty of handspikes. Having got these prime essentials ready, the next business was to summon our good neighbors to a raising bee. On the day named, accordingly, we had about thirty practiced axemen on the ground by daybreak, all in the best of spirits and confident in their powers for work. Eight of the heaviest logs, about two feet thick, had been placed in position as sleepers or foundation logs, duly saddled at the corners. Parallel with those, at a distance of twenty feet on either side, were ranged in order all the logs required to complete the building. Well, now we begin. Eight of the smartest men jump at once on the eight corners. In a few minutes, each of the four men in front has his saddle ready. That is, he has chopped his end of the first log into an angular shape. The four men in rear have done the same thing no less expeditiously and all are waiting for the next log. Meanwhile, at the ends of both bays, four several parties of three men each, stationed below, have placed their skids in a sloping position, the upper end on the rising wall, and the lower on the ground, and up these skids they roll additional logs transversely to those already in position. These are received by the corner men above, and carefully adjusted in their places according to their natural lie, that is, so that they will be least likely to render the wall unsteady. Then turned half back to receive the undercut, which should be exactly an inverse counterpart of the saddle. A skillful hand will make this undercut with unerring certainty, so that the log, when turned forward again, will fit down upon its two saddles without further adjustment. 
now for more logs back in front, then others at the ends, and so on, every log fitted as before, and each one somewhat lighter than its predecessor. All this time the oxen have been busily employed in drawing more logs where needed. The skids have to be readjusted for every successive log, and a supply of new logs rolled up as fast as wanted. The quick strokes of eight axes wielded by active fellows perched on the still-rising walls and balancing themselves dexterously and even gracefully as they work. The constant demand for another log and the merry voices and rough jokes of the workers altogether form as lively and exciting a picture as is often witnessed. Add to these a bright sky and a fresh breeze with the beautiful green background of the noble hardwood trees around and I know of no mere pleasure party that I would rather join. Breakfast and dinner form welcome interludes. Ample stores of provender, meat, bread, potatoes, puddings various, tea and coffee, have been prepared and are thoroughly enjoyed, inasmuch as they are rare luxuries to many of the guests. Then again to work, until the last crowning effort of all, the raising of the seventy-two-foot logs, has to be encountered. Great care is necessary here, as accidents are not infrequent. The best skids, the stoutest handspikes, the strongest and hardiest men must be selected. Our logs being cedar, and therefore light, there was comparatively little danger, and they were all successfully raised and well secured by cross-girders before sundown. Then, and not till then, after supper, a little whiskey was allowed, Teetotalism had not made its way into our backwoods, and we were considered very straight-laced indeed to set our faces as we did against all excess. Our Highland and Irish neighbors looked upon the weak stuff sold in Canada with supreme contempt. The roofing of such a building is a subsequent operation, for which no bee is required. Shingles four feet long, on round rafters, are generally used for log barns, to be replaced at some future day by more perfect roofing. A well-made cedar barn will stand for forty years with proper care, by which time there should be no difficulty in replacing it by a good, substantial, roomy frame building. End of section 27